Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, if you are new with us, this is your maybe your, your first Sunday with us, or you were not here last week, uh, you just need to know that we're in the midst of celebrating our 50th anniversary as a church. And last Sunday, Bruce talked you know, about some of the ways that we've seen God work as a church, but we also had a number of ways for you to participate in remembering God's faithfulness. And one of those was we had a video booth set up in the gathering hall last Sunday where people could share stories of God's faithfulness during their time at Wildwood. Some of those stories were shared by people relatively new to the church. Others were shared by people who have been away from Wildwood for an extended season because they have moved. And one of those stories that was shared by somebody that has moved away was shared by the Shinnerworks. And just wanted us to, to hear the story that they shared, that we might have a chance to thank God for his work as well. So join me in hearing the story from the Shinnerworks. first thing we ever attended at Wildwood Church, we were invited by friends to come to a party. And we said, well, it seems kind of funny to come to a party when we don't go to the church. And they said, no, no, come with us, come with us. It was Bruce Hess's 30th birthday party. So we came, we didn't really know anybody. We, we had a good time at the party and we began to attend the church after that. That's when we came to Wildwood, it was a long time ago. About Wildwood, this is what I will say about our time here. We had two stints at Wildwood, actually. We moved to Denver and then we came back and we're here. When we have moved around the country, which we've done quite a bit, and people start to talk about people using their spiritual gifts or people ministering to other people, we remember our last days at Wildwood, too. We had a one-month-old baby, and I got very sick. I was, I just had a systemic infection. I was so ill, I couldn't take care of my family. And we were in the middle of a move. Yeah, I, had, I had taken a faculty position at LSU, and we were moving uh, down to Baton Rouge, and... Uh, we had a deadline, we had to go, and we were in dire straits. And probably Janet Hess uh, did some of this organizing. Kathy Redfern did some other people. The people of Wildwood cared for our children, brought us food, um, cleaned our house, packed our belongings. And on the day that we were to pull out of town... Came and loaded the truck. And um, Bruce Hess was there... um, directing traffic and doing things and Frank Peck was there lots of people people were there helping us move and um, I don't know what we would have done when everyone left that day we stood in our kitchen with tears in our eyes and Phil said it is very hard to leave people who love you this much and we've just seen the people be remarkable people who minister to others and we've loved Wildwood thanks Well, praise God for his work among us over the last 50 years. Again, if, if you are new with us, we're in the midst of a, a three-week season where we are celebrating 
God's faithfulness to Wildwood over the last number of years. And last Sunday, we began this, this series with Pastor Bruce looking backwards, stacking some stones of remembrance in ways that we've seen the Lord work as a church family over the years. And if you weren't with us last week and you're interested in knowing more about our history and some of the things that we've seen the Lord do, I would invite you to go and listen to the podcast or go onto our Facebook page and watch the live stream from last week's service where you'll be able to, to relive and remember some of the ways that the Lord has been faithful to us. Today we're going to continue this season of celebration by talking about the mission of the church and refocusing us as a congregation in that direction. And then next week we're going to be looking ahead at some of the things that we see down the road for us as a congregation. And so we're very excited uh, that you are with us as we celebrate God's faithfulness to us as a church over the last 50 years. Well, today we're going to talk about the mission of the church. Now, when we talk about the mission of the church, uh, you might, what might come to your mind is a mission statement, because mission statements are something that are quite common among different organizations. As a matter of fact, some of the most famous companies in the world have mission statements that help unite all of their folks around a common purpose. Well, what are some of the mission statements from organizations that we may be familiar with? Well, let's, let's look at the mission statement for Google for instance. It is to organize the world's information and spy on us and make it universally accessible and useful. Uh, That's their statement, maybe with a little bit of embellishment, but uh, that helps take a large organization like Google and, and organize it, all of their employees and their people who participate around a common purpose. Uh, How about Amazon? Amazon, to be Earth's most customer-centric company and to take all our money and to build a place where people can come and find and discover anything they might want to buy online. Again, a a massive organization like that, a a statement to, to gather everyone who works within that organization around a common purpose. You know what, the same is true inside of churches. Churches all over the world have mission statements that help unite their congregations around a common purpose, and Wildwood is no different. Wildwood's mission statement most recently was this statement right here, to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, his worship, his community, and his mission. If you have participated in our starting point class for newcomers over the last several years, that's a statement you would be familiar with. Or if you've grabbed the bulletin on the way in the last several years, you've seen those words written right there on the cover of that document. It's a statement to summarize our activity and to gather all of us around a a common purpose. And and mission statements for all organizations are, are helpful both for new people as well as people that have been around a while. Uh, For somebody who is just coming to an organization, a mission statement can let you know, is this a a group that I want to align with? Is this a group of people that I want to be around? What are they about? It helps answer that question. But for regulars who have been around an organization for an extended period of time, a mission statement is also helpful because out of all the different activities and things going on, it helps refocus you on the central mission or purpose of the organization. So mission statements are common, even for a place like Wildwood. But as we talk about mission statements and connect them to the church, we need to ask a very important question. And that question is this, who has the authority to change the mission of the church? Or who had the authority initially 
to set the mission of the church? Now, friends, the answer to that question is is very straightforward. And the answer is not me. And the answer is not Wildwood's elders. Because this is not a church that exists independent. We may be a non-denominational church, but we have a head. And that head is Jesus Christ. The only one who is able to define the mission of the church is Jesus himself. Last Sunday, uh, Bruce walked us through a little bit of Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. And in the second half of that verse, Jesus said this. He said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, when you see that verse, there's a word that ought to leap off the page at you, and that is the word my. Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to build Peter's church, or I'm going to build James and John's church. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. The New Testament is clear that Jesus is the head of the church. So the only person who can articulate the mission of the church is Jesus. Just like the owner or the board of of another organization might be able to define its mission, Jesus himself defines the mission of the church. You know, when I I see that verse, it reminds me that the church is is Jesus's, it's not mine. And what's interesting is that Jesus, the church that he's building, it has quite a future, doesn't it? The church that Jesus is building, it says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There is no such promise given to the church of Mark Robinson or the church of Bruce Hess or the church of Wildwood's elder board or Wildwood's staff. The church that has a promise to be built is the church of Jesus Christ. So why would we invest our lives in building our kingdom when he's building his? Jesus defines the mission of the church. Now, what is the mission of the church as Jesus defines it? I think that Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, the Great Commission, serve as a very helpful mission statement for the church. Jesus' last charge to his followers that he repeated again and again in the days between his resurrection and his ascension. What is it that that he said? Well, in Matthew 28, 19, it says that we are to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Friends, that is the mission of the church. Jesus set it up at the church's inception, and nowhere when I look at the New Testament do I see Jesus coming along and giving another mission. And since he hasn't changed it, and he's the one who is building his church, then the mission of the church has remained the same. So rest easy if you're curious where this is headed remaining true to the calling that Jesus gave to us. But here's the thing. As we gather as a local congregation, from time to time, through different seasons, it's helpful for us to catalyze that ancient mission that Jesus gave to the church and kind of reframe it a little bit in some contemporary language so that we might understand anew and refocus on the heart and the purpose behind the calling that Jesus gave to each of us. At different times and seasons, Wildwood has rearticulated our mission using some different words, but always anchoring back to the words of Jesus. And as we celebrate our 50th anniversary, we want to do the same thing. 
We want to, to refocus our attention on the ancient call of Christ using some contemporary words as we follow our eternal God. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at our new yet old mission statement together. Now, what is this statement? Well, the mission statement that we are gathering around as a church family is something that you've probably seen a lot of recently. You've seen it on signs out front, banners in the gathering hall, leading into and out of videos and things around our 50th anniversary. But it's, it's this statement right here. This is a new articulation of our ancient mission. And so as we gather today, would, would you just read this together with me? We are four following Jesus together to the glory of God. This statement summarizes the Great Commission in some, some different words. Now, where do we see that? It's helpful for us not just to have a statement like this, but to actually break it down so that we understand a little more about what it means for us to be the church. The first thing that I think it's helpful for us to see in this statement is where it begins. This little phrase, we are for. In other words, as a congregation, we are, are not just existing by being against a number of things. We actually have a positive mission that we have been sent on by the Savior. There are things that we are to be for. There are things that we are to be about as a congregation and as a church. Certainly, we need to, to hold fast the doctrine that has been passed down to us. And we, we're called to live a distinct and separate life, but we are also called to be salt and light in the world in which we live. We're called to be for something. Now, when we think about being for something as a church family, what does that particularly look like? Well, as a church, we can think of the things that we are for in terms of our reach, in terms of different spheres of opportunity that we have to be on mission together. Now, what are some of those, some of those spheres? We call them the four fours. We're going to look at them more in depth next Sunday, but I want to mention them here so that we begin to get an idea of what we're about as a church. One of the things that we have the privilege of being for is being for the church, to be for the church. See, Jesus is for the church. He gave his life for us so that we might have our sins forgiven, so that we might be with him forever. But Jesus' commitment to us goes beyond just saving us for eternity. It includes his development of us right now. The New Testament theological term for this is sanctification. It's the process by which Jesus perfects us in this life through the work of the Holy Spirit. And we believe as we gather as a church family, when we talk about being for the church, we believe that God is at work among us, drawing us closer to him, shaping our character, using each of us to, to impact each other in a positive way as we follow him. See, we as a church, one of the things that we're for is we're, we're for the church. But one of the, the other things that we're for is we're for the community. God has graciously planted us in Norman, Oklahoma. I'm so thankful he did. I love this place. And we have an opportunity in, in our community to have an influence 
for Christ. It's not an accident that the University of Oklahoma is right down the street. It's not an accident that Tinker Air Force Base is just a few miles away. It's not an accident that Cleveland County is a growing county of of over 225,000 people. It's not an accident that people come through our church and through our city all the time and then go to various places around the world. In a very strategic way, we have the opportunity to influence our community for Christ. Our community is not just defined by the city limits, but it's everywhere we go. It includes the sphere of influence that you have inside of your family or inside of your workplace. If you work at Devon Tower, your sphere of influence includes that location. We believe as a church that God wants to work through us to be for the community in which he has planted us. Not only are we for the church, not only are we for the community, but we're, we're also for the nations. Inside of the Great Commission, Jesus didn't say, go to Galilee and make Galilee amazing. He said, go therefore into all the earth, making disciples of not one nation, but of all nations. We have the privilege, friends, of taking the life-changing message of Jesus Christ to all the nations around the earth. What an opportunity we have to help the scripture get translated in languages that don't have it, to plant churches where places where there aren't churches to share Christ where people are lost, not just in America, not just in Oklahoma, but all over the world in places like Nicaragua, in Latvia, in Brazil. Friends, we have an opportunity to reach out into the Middle East, into Asia, and beyond. See, we're for the nations. But also, friends, we're for the next generation. We're for the next generation. Now, in, in a general sense, the next generation is anybody who's coming along after you. You know, when I talk to my, my parents, they'll say things like, you know, those kids at our church are, are really great. And I ask them who they're talking about that are kids. And they're talking about people in their 60s, okay? Um, and I think that is really fascinating. Your ki- the kids of your church are in their 60s, right? Because they're older than 60, okay? Uh, but for, for us specifically as a church, in general, that is true. It's people that are not as far along. We have the privilege of taking the message and passing it on to others also, as Paul instructs Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. But specifically at Wildwood, we articulate the next generation as our ministries to children, students, and college students. And what an opportunity we have to pass on the good news of Jesus Christ to them. The future of the church is with us and is a part of the church now. What a privilege we have as a church being for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. So our statement begins by reminding us that we're for. But the statement continues and and has this, this really dominant, large, intentionally large statement in the middle, following Jesus following Jesus. You know, when we look at the Great Commission, inside of the Great Commission, they're not called to just make converts. They're called to make disciples, not just decisions, but disciples of Jesus, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. That's what Jesus says. Now, when you think of all of what Jesus is asking of his followers at that point, of his disciples, he was, it could be summarized in the word follow, Now, that is not my equation, and it's not my word. As a matter of fact, the word follow is the dominant characteristic 
of people associated with Jesus inside the Gospels. You realize that in the Gospels alone, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, in those four books, the word follow is connected to people in Jesus 87 times in four books. It is the number one word associated with people connected to Jesus. It's used often of people following him in terms of, you know, a crowd gathers and people are following him. But 26 different times, Jesus himself uses the word follow as a command or an invitation where he sees someone and he says, follow me. We think about Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19 where he says to the fishermen, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It was an invitation. 26 times Jesus gives that invitation to others. It is the language of Jesus, the head of the church, that invites us to follow him. In his earthly ministry, that's what he did. And today as his church, we have the privilege of following Jesus together. Now, what does that mean? That means that we place our faith in him. If, if we are to follow someone, we're going to follow someone that we are trusting in some way. But not only does it involve our trust, but it also involves our volition. It involves our obedience, teaching to obey all that I have commanded you. We love who he loves. We go where he says we should go. We interact with others according to his agenda and his direction. Friends, that's what it means to follow Christ. Now, an important clarification we need to say with this is that if you're going to follow someone, a few things have to be true. If you're going to follow someone, then they need to be willing, able, and wise. You would never follow someone who was not willing, able, and wise. Let me, let me give you an example. Let's just say that, that my friend Gary invites me to go to lunch today. Um, and Gary and I decide that, that we're going to go to lunch. And he says, we're going to go to this amazing place um, why don't you just meet me here after the service and follow me there, okay? Now, if Gary said that, but when the service was over, Gary was gone, then what would I be, would I be able to follow him? No. He might have issued an invitation, but he wasn't willing. He took off without me. Not only that, but he would not just have to be willing, but he would have to be able. If Gary said, follow me to lunch, and he, he stayed here to wait for me, but then he had no gas in his car. It would not be possible for me to follow him. He was not able to go anywhere. But not only would we need to be willing, and not only would he need to be able, but he would also need to be wise. If Gary was said, we're going to go to this amazing restaurant, but he had no idea where it was, I could follow him, but I would never get where we thought we were needing to go. He would have to be willing, able, and wise for me to follow him. Now, here's the thing, friends, and this is so wonderful to think about. Jesus Christ is willing for us to follow him. Just think about that. 87 times those around him are, are talked about as his followers. He moved at a pace that they could follow him. 26 different times he issued an invitation, follow me. Friends, Jesus is willing for us to follow him. He's not run off without us. He is inviting us into a relationship of dependence to follow him wherever he goes. Not only is he willing, but he's, he's able there is nothing that he cannot do. All of us have limitations. Jesus has none. And not only is he willing and able, but he is also wise. He knows everything, including how we were built, 
in the life that we were created to live. Because Jesus is willing, able, and wise, we're invited to follow him. And not only that, but because he is absolutely worthy of our allegiance, because he's the God who created us. He gave his life as a sacrifice for us. He loves us. For all of these reasons, he invites us, friends, to follow him. The thing that identifies us as Christians is not that we were baptized at some church service, not that we wear a t-shirt that has a name of a church on the front of it, none of those things. The thing that identifies us is that we follow him. And so the question I think that's important for us to ask is this, are our lives characterized by following Christ? Somebody were to audit your time, somebody were to audit your your finances, talk to your character references, your family, your friends, what would they say that you're following? You're following your own desires, passions, lusts, wants, whatever, or are you, are you following, you're following Christ? The New Testament description of us is that we follow him. As a church, that's our mission, stay connected to him. So we're for following Jesus. But the next phrase that I think we need to see inside of that is that we follow him together. We follow him together. It's so important for us to remember that the New Testament description of Christianity is not an individual sport. Now, I don't want to confuse you. All of us need to personally profess faith in Christ. The the faith of your, your friends or the faith of your parents is not a faith that will save you. It can positively influence you, but it will not save you. But here's the thing. As you live out your relationship with Christ, it is something that is done as a team activity. The pronouns of the New Testament are mostly plural. We and our. The particular commands that are given to Christian. Christians, you know, you know what they oftentimes are articulated around? This little Greek phrase that is translated in our New Testament Bible, one another. Forty unique commands scattered over 50 plus verses. We are created to live our lives at following Christ together inside of community. That's the way that God created us to live. You know, not only did he create us to, to live that way and gave us these commands to live that way, but he even designed us in such a way that we need each other as we follow him. Jesus doesn't give one person all of the insight so that you just go find that one person and they tell you what everything means. No, he scatters the insight around the body. That's why it's important for us to study scripture in community. Jesus doesn't just take all of the experiences and give them to one person. So that one person can minister to everybody, but he gives experiences to all of his followers so that together as the body, we can minister to one another with encouragement because you may not have experienced the situation you're dealing with right now before, but somebody else probably has. God has scattered the experiences so that we might minister to one another. He scattered the gifts among us. Each of us with different gifts so that we all would need one another. Some with the gift of encouragement, some with the gift of teaching, some with the gift of wisdom. He he scattered the gifts out among us so that we might need one another as a part of the body. I think about this related to puzzles. If you've got any puzzles at your house, we've got several in, in a cabinet in our living room. 
And you know, every individual piece of that puzzle, when you take one piece out, it's not all that pretty. But you know what? When you snap that piece together with the rest of them, it makes a beautiful picture. That's the way the church is. Think about it with Legos. My son likes Legos. In our house, there are piles of Legos. When Legos are dis, you know, detached from each other, you know what they are? They're a foot hazard. That's what they are. But when they come together, they make something beautiful. Friends, that is, is what Jesus has done with the church. He has designed us like puzzle pieces, like Lego pieces, so that we would come together and make something beautiful. The mission of the church is not something that we just do on our own. It's something that we do together. We're for following Jesus together. But there's one more thing we need to see inside of that statement, and that's where it ends. To the glory of God. Friends, this is so, so important. The mission of Wildwood Community Church is not to make Wildwood's name known. And it's not so that you think that we're an awesome place or some kind of a big deal. The reality is that we exist as a church to make much of Christ, for his name to get the glory and the honor, not ours. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now, friends, can I just share with you something just from a personal experience? Um, I've, I've loved this season of being able to celebrate 50 years as a church. It's been really wonderful. But there is, there is a, a something that makes me very uncomfortable associated with this. And I know that it makes uncomfortable the leaders of, of Wildwood, elders, staff, pastors, all of us in general. We don't want this experience to be about how great we are because, friends, we're not that great. But we know a God who is awesome. And this event is designed to bring praise and honor to him. And the ongoing mission of the church is to bring praise and honor and glory to God, not to us. When you celebrate an anniversary like this, an article shows up in the transcript or in the Oklahoman, and it makes me terribly uncomfortable that there was a picture of me in there. You know, I guess it violates a commandment to put a picture of God, right? So, uh, but, but here's, here's the thing when I think about that. This is not about us. It's about him. He's been at work for 2,000 years building his church. This is one of the outposts. And what happens here that is spiritual growth and new life, it is all to his glory and honor and not to ours. We're for following Jesus together to the glory of God. Now, what does it look like as we follow him? What are some of the characteristics? If, if our life is to follow Christ, what are some of the things that we would expect to see happening in our lives as we follow him? What are some of the identifiers? Well, the Bible, again, gives us some good insight on what happens as we follow Christ. As a matter of fact, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3 talks about two different things that are growing or increasing as we follow Christ. Well, what are those things? It says, 
Paul says, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. In other words, as we follow Christ, over time, there are two things that are growing and increasing. Do you see what they are? The first one is, our faith in God is growing and increasing as we follow him. And the second is that our love for others, our love for one another is growing and increasing. Our faith in God and our love for others. Now, what does that sound like to you? Sounds like the great commandment to me, doesn't it? You see, as we follow Christ, we're actually growing. Not just numerically, though there is numerical growth, but spiritually We're growing in our connection to him, and it shows up in a growing faith and confidence in God as we get to know him better, in a growing love and concern for those around us. And if if we were to, to walk around the room and pass a microphone and say, what are some of the ways that God has grown your faith in him and love for others over the last several years, what would happen is you would all tell various stories, and there'd be a number of different anecdotes that we could add. But I believe that every story that we would share would probably fit into one of five categories, one of five different things that God has has used to catalyze or to grow your faith in him and your love for others. And so as we think about as a church, we want to organize around those things and encourage us as a congregation to follow him in five different ways. So what are some of those those ways? The the first way is we want to follow Jesus into his word. We want to follow Jesus into his word. We want to open up the Bible. We want to read it. We want to study it in our small groups, in our Sunday school classes, in our children's ministry, in our student ministry, in our college small groups, in our worship services. We want to open this up. Why? Because as we read the scripture, we understand more and more the greatness of our God. And as we get to know how great he is, then we begin to hear his voice in understanding the directions that he is calling us to walk as we follow him. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 describes it this way. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Friends, as you think about growing in your faith, you have a desire to grow in your faith in God and your love for others, one of the things that you should invest in is invest in his word. Read it. Second thing that God uses to grow our faith, second way that we follow him is we follow him into worship. We follow him into worship. As we gather together, as we drop to our knees in prayer, as we live out our lives under his direction and lordship, what happens is we are making much of him and less of us. We're living our lives to the glory of God, and it inspires within us a deeper and deeper faith and trust in him. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Friends, do you want to grow in your faith in God and your love for others? One of the things that we can do is we can worship him. We can can pray to him. We can sing songs together 
to him, we sing songs back and forth to each other to remind us of the greatness of who he is, that he is the one that receives the glory and the honor. We grow faith as we worship. But we also grow in faith as we follow Jesus into community, into community. This is something we talked about extensively when we talked about togetherness a little earlier on. But it's important for us to not just view our lives as just this individual little puzzle piece, but that we attach ourselves to the bigger story, that we follow Jesus into community where we begin to get to know the needs of others so that we can help meet them as they begin to know us so that they can encourage us. We see this in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. If you want to grow in your faith in God and your love for others, then intentionally place yourself inside of community. Show up to your small group students Wednesday night and shift in the avenue. College students, connect with one of our small groups. Go to lunch after church today downstairs in the fellowship center and get connected to the college small groups that we offer here during the week. Take a step towards community. Adults, connect to one of our Sunday morning classes or Sunday groups or connect into a small group as we take those steps to intentionally place us and ourselves inside of community. Our faith grows. Another way that we follow Jesus is we follow him into ministry. We follow him into ministry. You know, it's interesting, Howard Hendricks describes football this way. Howard Hendricks was a chaplain of the Dallas Cowboys for a number of years, and he describes football this way. He said, football is an interesting game where you have 22 people desperately in need of rest being watched by 80,000 people desperately in need of exercise. That's football. (laughs) But friends, that's not the church. The church is not... 22 gifted people doing a bunch of stuff and everybody else watching. The church is all of us having been equipped by God, ministering and one anothering one another. That's the church. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 says it this way, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. God has extended his grace to us in different ways so that when we come together, we're pieces of the puzzle ministering to one another. It, we don't just show up, we show up and are activated and equipped to bless each other. Following him in the ministries like student ministry, children's ministry, adult, small groups, whatever it is, greeting, ushers, whatever, as well as just being a friend to somebody in need. We follow him into ministry. There's a fifth area. We grow our faith in him and our love for others as we follow Jesus on to mission. Now we see this again, Matthew 28, 19, and 20 where it talks about go, therefore, into all the world. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Friends, you want to grow your faith in God and your love for others. Engage in reaching those around you in our community and among the nations to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You want to activate your faith, begin sharing it with others. 
It's the way God designed us. His delivery mechanism for the gospel is through us. Jesus died, and that story we get to share with the world who needs the hope of his resurrection as well. Now, anytime I make a statement like this or hear a message like this and we talk about five ways to follow Christ, there are, are many of us who are taking this down. You might be even writing notes going, okay, I got my list. I got my Christian list. I'm going to run out and I'm going to do all of these things and knock it out by Tuesday and be on mission with Wildwood. And you know what? I love the enthusiasm of that. Um, but here's the thing. There's, there's something else that we need to remember all of the activity that we participate in must rest on a foundation of God's grace. It was Jesus himself who said in John six sixty three to his followers, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Friends, as we take steps of faith in following Christ, we do so with a great sense of dependence, needing his spirit to fill our sail as we follow him. So here's the thing, whether this is your first Sunday with us or one of your first or whether you have been here for 40 years, we gather here today to be reminded and refocus on the mission that Christ gave the church 2,000 years ago and to remember that each of us have the privilege, let's say this together, We are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. Would you join us on that adventure? Father God, thank you so much for just the privilege of following you and and your church. And we pray that you would be honored um, and get all of the glory for everything that happens here. And and Father, that all of the, the steps that we take as a congregation in faith following you, that you would just fill the sail with your spirit, growing our faith in you and love for others each step of the way. We thank you so much, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.